Last week as we looked at Acts chapter 15, we, we heard of the Council of Jerusalem and we heard of, of the missionaries that were going out and proclaiming the good news to all people. And as we journey into Acts chapter 16 this week, we'll hear about a couple of men, Paul and Silas, who have been going around and spreading the good news to communities. And today they find themselves in what may be considered not so good news. And in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 16, what we hear is that one day they were going to the place of prayer. They were going to church, and they met a female slave who had a spirit of deviation, or divination, sorry, and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. And while she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God, who proclaims to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. So so day after day, as Paul and Silas would would go to proclaim the good news, this woman would come and follow them and, and proclaim this. That these men are slaves of the Most High God, and they've come to proclaim the way of salvation. And as you can imagine, even if it's true, eventually she kind of starts to, I guess, grate on Paul's nerves a little bit. And it says in verse 18 that Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, I want you to, be, to remember that we're talking about a woman here that has been enslaved by men because of her gift, and she has brought them great money. And so the owners get upset, and in verse 19 we hear that when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, they dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And you may be going, well, what are they going to accuse them of? And it says, when they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men, these Jews, they're disturbing our city. And they're advocating customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans to adopt or to observe. And the crowd, um, probably a little upset about some of the things that Paul has been teaching, um, said, and joined in at, uh, in attacking, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothes. They ordered them to be beaten with rods, and after they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison, ordered the jailer to keep them securely, and following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So here is Paul and Silas proclaiming the good news, get a little frustrated, react. But what they're accused of is promoting and advocating customs that are not lawful for the Roman people to observe. And as they are found guilty, whether they find themselves is is guilty, beaten, stripped, and imprisoned. They find themselves vulnerable, beaten, and isolated. Can anybody relate? You're vulnerable and stripped of your confidence or your self-worth, of your identity, uh, maybe of your health, of your financial status, of the love for others. You find yourself beaten up by this world and you're tired of the thoughts that wage within your own mind of this is never going to get better, of the the inner critic that um, judges you, of your depression or doubt, your criticisms and your habits and addiction. When we think about it, it through that lens, I think many of us can relate 
to being beaten, vulnerable, tired, and isolated. In a world that says we must live in the I'm fine world, many of us bury these burdens deep and we do not speak about them. And so then we become isolated as well. What we see in Paul and Silas is is they're in a place that they never intended to be. And, And if they're not careful, they could find themselves beginning to doubt. Because there they find themselves chained up. And, and for many of us, when we find ourselves in this place, we would have what they would refer, what, we, what has been coined by St. John of the Cross as a dark night of the soul. They're in a physically dark night, but we would have a dark night of the soul, and this, which is kind of marked by an extremely difficult or painful period of our life. It's a crisis in our course of faith where we begin to doubt things and wonder, God, where are you in all this? How can you even be present? But Paul and Silas find themselves, and in verse 25 it says, they, at midnight they were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about ready to kill himself, since he was supposed to be guarding them. And he supposed that they had escaped. So here they are in this dark night, and and there's an earthquake. Before, before the shackles could, be, could come off, it's amazing to me that what happens is the very foundation of the building is shook. And I think for some of us, we find ourselves in a dark night of the soul and we're shackled up by those things that we talked about earlier. By our inner critic, by our own thoughts and depressions, by our doubts and criticisms, our habits and our addictions. And so, in the way in which we think and perceive God, maybe God needs to send an earthquake into our spiritual being and to rattle the foundations on which we have built many of our ideas. Maybe he needs to shake our foundation. Those things that we've built our world and our life, and yes, even sometimes our faith upon so that we may be freed from the shackles of this world. It was an earthquake that shook their foundation and it freed them. And this may not be your case, but maybe God needs to shake us a little bit in order to set us free. To free us from the walls and the prisons that we have placed ourselves in or find ourselves in. Because... God may not cause whatever shakes you to your core, but God will and can use it when it happens. Because God is in the business of using bad materials for beautiful purpose. Just look at Jesus and death and how he repurposed death that we may have life. In Romans 8.28, what we hear is that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And and so maybe you find yourself 
like Paul and Silas in a feeling beaten and abandoned, stripped of your confidence or whatever, vulnerable, isolated, and you're in a dark night of the soul. I mean, think about the night, and when is the darkest point? It's midnight. And in verse 25, we hear that, the, that around midnight is when all of this took place. When, when things seemed hopeless and fearful and anxious, that, that what is, what's going to happen? But the beauty of midnight is it's also the start of a new day. And so when the jailer finds himself ready to end it all because he is supposed to be guarding them and he supposes that they've escaped, in verse 20 it says, Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushing in he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And at the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. And then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house, and he set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced and he, that he had become a believer in God. Around midnight, in prison, they're singing praise. The earthquake comes and it sets them free. But what we need to hear about this singing praise and prayer is that they are in a a position where many of us could find ourselves doubting and worrying, fear and concern. But in the prisons, they're singing praise because their faith is not tied to their state of affairs. It is tied to their state of mind. See... What has happened is many times in our midnight, we need to remember the promises and how God has sustained us in our other past. We need to remember the promises of scriptures and hymns. But but what can happen is that we can forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget And when we find ourselves in moments of despair and in a dark night and we lose sight that a bright morning is coming. We, we remember those people that have left us and abandoned us. We remember our past failures and our past shames. But we forget that God will never leave nor forsake us. That God has a plan for you and that God's grace is sufficient. You see, what happens is we allow our pain and our circumstances to push us to a point of short-term memory. Where we we can't see past where we find ourselves. We don't remember anything previous and we don't believe that there's anything ahead. But we are stuck in this moment. And we find ourselves in this short-term memory. But we're called to have a long-term memory. A memory of who God is and who God has been and who God will be. Because what you memorize can be the difference if you're singing or if you find yourself stuck. See, Paul and Silas had clung to the truth. They had memorized the good news. They believed it with all of their being. So even amidst the dark night, they are able to sing and proclaim. And not only did this bring good news for them, 
because they were able to master their memory and they didn't let their memories master them. They could have said, oh, well, all these people for so long have been trying to kill us and da 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 and gotten bogged down by that. But instead they said, we master our memory and we remember who God is and who God proclaims us to be. But the beauty of this is that they continue to sing and that, that God shows up and I, and I want to say this to you. you. This may not be hitting home with you right now. You may be saying, I'm, everything's good. I'm not in a dark night of the soul. But if life, uh, if you could, if life is good, I would challenge you to take a moment and now to memorize the goodness of God and how God is at work. Because here's the thing. You don't prepare for battles in peace, but you do, or you don't, prepare for the battles in the peace but in the disturbance so often and what happens is you're preparing on the fly and you can forget things but if you have called to your memory and placed in your heart in the now then when things arise you will be prepared but notice what else happens and this is the tough teaching that when the doors of the prison are open and and Paul and Silas and many of us would want to go running from it and just be back in everything being good and glory. We will, we're tired of being beaten down. We're tired of being tired. We're tired of being abandoned. We're tired of all of these things. And so when the doors are open, we may want to go running and fleeing. But what if God is using that moment for someone else? Notice, Paul doesn't run. He doesn't flee. Instead, he stays Understanding that God uses it, even those things that we don't understand, and he stays, and it brings the jailer and his family, his loved ones, to know God. See, that's so often we're just like, God, just get me through it, and we never trust maybe that God is at work in it. Even amidst the dark night, it's midnight, and the bright day is coming. We, we've forgotten, our, our memory is turned short term and we no longer remember how God has shown up and it does show up and promises to show up even when we don't understand. You see, the miracle isn't that Paul got through this because God was with him. But the miracle in our story is how Paul got through. That even amidst the dark night, he kept the faith he remembered who God is and, and how God was at work in his life. And he trusted God's purpose over his own understanding. So maybe you find yourself in a dark night. I would challenge you to remember who God is. To trust that though it's, dar though it's darkest at midnight, we know that it may be a dark night, but a bright morning is coming. Because we don't know the future, but we know who holds the future. And to remember that God is at work even when we don't understand. And to trust that God can use even those broken things to resurrect. Amen. Amen.